My guest this week is Mark Beichel, the brand manager at Paps Labs, and tonight we'll be chatting about the Paps brand and its entry into the cannabis beverage space. So thanks for joining us, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for putting it all together, David. Well, so let's kick things off. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe some of your history, where you're from. You've got a great brand background, and I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Sure. Let's see, what a start. I mean, the story really starts here in Southern California, born and raised. Wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Spent most of my time here until I went to school in the Bay Area, went to UC Berkeley. And, um, you know, I think uh, around that time then I started working for a few marketing agencies. So my background is mainly in agencies, um, you know, around music. Uh, we had a lot of outbet clients and automotive clients. And so it was around this time, you know, I was, I was kind of wrapping up uh, my undergrad. I started, um, you know, working for an experiential agency. And again, most of our clients were in the automotive and outbet space. And the majority of our clients quickly within the next couple of years, you know, kind of really outbet was the majority of our portfolio. So I was doing you know, really started in the experiential world. So you name it, I was doing it, demos and tasting at the retail level to, you know, uh, large footprints at music festivals all across the entire country. You know, at one point, I think I was, you know, in charge of overseeing 150 events a year uh, for our outbet clients. So if you do the math, that's around event every two or three days. Yeah. But it was cool, you know, it was, we were going to South by Southwest, Lollapalooza, Coachella, Art Basel, everywhere, every, every weekend we were somewhere new. And, um, you know, that really kind of took me up to, uh, well, actually, I worked at a, a couple different agencies after that, uh, mostly creative agencies, I think, with a particular focus uh, in experiential. But my first kind of brand experience is really where it took me when I first started working at uh, Pabst Brewing Company or Pabst, uh, the, the Outbev brand that everyone knows and loves, right? So this was around, I'd say, 2015. I had a really unique opportunity. So Pabst was looking to really diversify their portfolio, and uh, they brought on their first imports brand. This brand called Qingdao uh, comes in a green bottle. You may be familiar with it. Uh, if you've ever went to a Chinese restaurant, Asian restaurant, um, this is a brand that is you know seen. Um, that's kind of like one of their top occasions is, is dining. So I came in and was, was charged with, uh, really just building field marketing within the LA market. So building visibility and awareness for the brand and trying to make this, you know, a cool, I guess, air quote, Asian brand, if you will. So I took my events experience, music experience, DJ experience, um, and really tried to take it to the next level and did some pretty cool things. And that led to an opportunity and position to come in office to work on cultural partnerships and branding across the entire portfolio. Also an opportunity to put some structure behind Paps first licensing platform. And then eventually as an associate brand manager, and then as a spot on the Paps brand team working on innovation. There you have it. On the innovation team at Paps Brewing, which did then that lead into the formation of Paps Labs, which is different than Paps Brewing? Correct. Correct. And, you know, I will kind of, you know, take it back a little bit and contextualize. So the transition happens, you know, I was working at Pabst Blue Ribbon on the brand team and I had to focus on innovation. And so, you know, we'll probably talk a lot more about Pabst during the course of this conversation. But, uh, you know, I had the unique opportunity. Pabst is really leads with, I think, a lot of creative experimentation. Right. So I think that is reflected in their innovation that they launched over the past, you know, three to five years. And I had a unique opportunity to launch Paps's first 
or work on Pabst's first spirit, which was a PBR whiskey, which depending on where you live in the country, you may or may not have seen it uh, at your local store and or bar. Um, you know, first American brand to launch in a spirits adjacency, and that happened to be uh, a whiskey brand that we that we worked on. So we test marketed in five markets. Um, you know, I put together some of the go to market strategy um, and put you know uh, an entire plan in place to to test market this. And um, it was around this time I had another opportunity that came up. So I actually left Pabst uh, Pabst Brewing Company around April of 2020. Right in the height of the pandemic, almost two years ago, believe it or not, kind of uh, worked on my own projects uh, on the side and then got a call one day um, from someone who, who led up the innovation team at, at Pabst Brewing Company and said, hey, Mark, uh, we have something we want to talk to you about. It's something that we think is pretty exciting. You got to sign an NDA and do all that stuff. And immediately I got really excited and think, oh, what could this be? And that was, you know, the beginning of, um, you know, uh, the journey, my journey specifically into cannabis. So, you know, that's when I first discovered that they had been parallel pathing some plans to develop a, a cannabis product over the past year, two years. And uh, I had the unique opportunity to jump on the team and put together, you know, the go to market strategy, um, but in a completely different world from Alpef. So that was really how I, I got my start, you know, um, cut my teeth. Uh, in events, into in, you know, forwarded into Pabst on the beer side, and then had this uh, great opportunity to join the uh, the world of cannabis with the launch of our first PBR cannabis beverage back in October of 2020. How lucky are you? And I say that because so many people struggle with their transition into the industry, and it just seems like you had corporate backing, and you were one of the people they wanted on their team, and it just worked out. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself very lucky. I think that if there's anything I learned, I think, you know, being in cannabis, you, you find that a lot of people have this million billion dollar idea. Uh, but, you know, when you come into cannabis, people say, oh, it can be easy or we have the experience or even just, you know, a lot of um folks think they can come to cannabis and they've have, you know, decades of experience. But I think you really have to come to the industry with an open heart, open mind and be willing to learn. Because it's really not the same. I think there are a lot of very key differences and from, you know, culturally to structurally to legally to regulatory to, I mean, you name it, right? Um, you know, I think you can take and leverage a lot of learnings, but, uh, you know, I consider myself very lucky to be in my shoes. And I know there's probably a lot of people who would, who would love for the opportunity to, to, uh, to take a 177-year-old brand and reimagine it within the recreational cannabis space. Absolutely. Would you mind just talking through a little bit what that process was? I mean, even the early stages of being on the team prior to launching, how do you create a cannabis infused beverage, but still be true to the, you know, to the roots of the brand? May I add, I think PBR actually has probably more than, more than maybe any other mass market brand to fit right in because the way it's served so many counterculture communities. Let me take it a step back. Uh, if I may, David, to really kind of just contextualize a little bit for everyone listening, the difference between, you know, Pabst and then Pabst Labs, right? So Pabst Blue Ribbon, they're the manufacturer of alcoholic beverages. You know, it's the it's beer company that everyone kind of knows and loves. Every time I have the opportunity to speak on panels or even just, you know, explain the story to anyone, everyone, everyone, you know, even when you and I met, David, you know, everyone kind of has their own Pabst story. And oftentimes it's, 
it's, uh, you know, one of three things. Number one, it's the brand that you grew up with or like my aunt or my uncle or my family drank. Or number two, it's the brand that reminds me of my Thursday nights in college at my local dive bar, which we call our spiritual home. Or number three, you know, Paps PBR all of a sudden became a really cool, you know, hipster brand kind of out of nowhere, right? Um, and so the differentiation, again, you know, Paps Blue Ribbon Out Beverage contains a litany of some of the most iconic beer brands that have really ever lived, you know, that have deep, meaningful connections and emotional ties to the places and spaces from which they were born, right? Um, you know, depending on where you live. You know, and I didn't know this prior to joining Paps on the Outbev side, on the beer side, you know, Lone Star Beer, if you're from Texas, right? Lone Star Beer is a Paps brand. You know, if you're from the Pac Northwest, Olympia and Rainier, whether you're in Portland or in Seattle, those are Paps brands as well. Old Style, if you're from Chicago. Uh, these are all Paps brands. Again, some very, wow, I, very... I did not know that. Yep. 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 They had, you know, over 30 plus brands in the portfolio, but... Look, I mean, most people know Paps, no, no PBR. Now, Paps Labs, you know, uh, we are we 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 have the license uh, to produce beverages, cannabis-infused beverages under the Paps Blue Ribbon name. However, we are a completely separate entity, different team who focus specifically on the production and manufacturing and sales, distribution, marketing of the Paps Blue Ribbon um, cannabis-infused or what we call our high seltzers. So we really exist to. Again, kind of reimagine these iconic, legendary brands in the recreational cannabis space. But you know, going back to what you're saying, and and, and the original uh, the original question is, you know, how do you kind of take a brand that has this story of a history and 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 bring it into the cannabis space, right, David? And I think you 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 had brought up a couple of different things, and one of those words being trust, right? Um, trust really kind of playing a very big role, and I think you know, we'll, we'll really continue to play a big role, um, especially as, you know, we're not going to be the last big brand to enter the space. It's really only a matter of time. You talk about sort of familiarity bringing comfort, right? We're the first national brand to enter the space, bringing 177 years of history and knowledge to it. And, you know, you specifically called out, you know, our, our, our salience within the counterculture communities, right? I think, you know, perhaps as it's as it's kind of evolved and developed, it's really evolved into more than just a beverage company, but kind of one that's designed to, you know, inspire, inform one really about kind of the human connection. Right. And I, what I like to say a lot is, you know, it's think about, you know, the last 20, 30, 40 years, you know, perhaps is really a brand about uh, about the people. Every brand wants to say that. But, you know, think about the last time you've seen a Pabst you know, billboard or out of home or commercial or really any sort of traditional marketing. For us, it's really about building a relationship and saliency within specific cultural opportunity spaces and pillars. And namely for us, that was art and music. You know, we look to earn our stripes by showing up in places of culture week after week and having what we called our FMRs or field marketing reps, nothing new to, you know, a lot of big, especially beverage brands, but really how do, their, how do, how do our FMRs play, you know, a role and have the brand play a role in their contribution to culture that allowed, you know, the brand to really obtain the hipster credibility that it developed. Like, you know, everyone says, oh, PBR, you guys kind of blew up out of nowhere. All of a sudden, everyone around the country is drinking you. All the cool people are drinking you. Well, you know, that that uh, uh, didn't happen overnight. You know, that's because I think the brand made a really conscious choice early on 
to show up in these places and spaces at the art gallery, at backstage, at the music concerts, or where DJs were playing or where the photographers were going to really champion the creative community week after week after week after week, right? To show up and have the brand be really a part of that conversation. But, you know, I think that conversation, we have to take that storyline, right? And, and as we enter and, you know, we're thinking about this when we first launched, you know, with trust comes responsibility, right? And so how this relates, I think, into our cannabis experience and launching into cannabis is we had to think very carefully about what kind of product do we want to launch with? Of course, okay, we know we were going to do it in beverage, right? But um, where do we, where do we want to start? Do we want to start at a 2.5, a 5 milligram or a 10? And, you know, I think, you know, having experience on both sides, I think we had to think very carefully about that. And we decided to come out with a 5 milligram versus a 10. We always had plans to come out with a 10, but we started with a 5. And here, you know, some of the compelling reasons as to why um, taking in consideration Alcbev and cannabis, right? Think about, for those of you who like to, you know, uh, um, indulge in beverages, if you will, right? Um, let's say you have a big weekend with your friends. Uh, you go out, you stay up late and you drink and the next day you're waking up Saturday morning and you're just like, I hate myself. I'm never drinking again. I'm never drinking again. I feel terrible. You know, Monday rolls around, you know, you're getting your bearings, whatever. Basically, point is by next weekend, right, or the following weekend, what are you doing? You're doing the same thing. That doesn't happen in cannabis. Like once you have that first overdosing experience and you say you're not going to do this again, you're not doing that again for a long time. I remember my first, my first overdosing experience. This was like how many years ago? It was a gummy. No, it was a Jolly Rancher. And we were going to go watch the Clipper game here at, um, you know, when it was Staples Center. And we had great seats, courtside. And, uh, you know, my friend said, hey, yeah, you know, take this Jolly Rancher. It's great. You'll feel good. Um, and I said, okay, cool. And then we get to the Staples Center and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm finished with the mine. And my, my friend goes, um, you didn't like you finished it. You didn't want to. He's like, I took mine out like 30 minutes ago. I'm like, Well, you didn't tell me that. And he's like, oh, man. I was like, well, how much was in it? He's like, I don't know. But I told my friend to give me the strong stuff. You know, just like when dosing was everyone had no idea how to how to properly kind of, you know, uh, articulate what a proper dose was. And so I just right. sat there courtside at this Clippers game thinking, I don't ever want to do this again. I, I just remember specifically being like, I hope they never put the jumbotron on me because everyone's going to know I'm really, and, and that will just, yeah, I, I was not having a good time like at all. <laughs> and you know, I didn't do it for a long time. This was many, many years ago, but I hopefully some of you guys listening in can kind of, you know, relate to that. Right. So what we knew was there were going to be a lot of people who were going to probably try this <clears throat> product as perhaps the first cannabis product ever because, hey, PBR, I know that name. My parents know that name. It's a beverage. They've been doing beverages for a long time. Prime example, my mom, she's been in the medical field for 40 plus years, never had anything against cannabis, big proponent of it, but just, just never, you know, just wasn't for her. And I think mostly it was the combustibles. She didn't want, you know, anything in her lungs. She sees that we launch. For the first time ever, I'm having an opportunity to try and share a cannabis product with my own mom, which she probably would have never, you know, we probably would have never had that have that opportunity um, if it wasn't, you know, with a brand name that people trust. It's pretty interesting that, you know, that your mother would join you at the table, so to speak, and she had never smoked cannabis, correct? 
That's correct. So it was also the form factor that was more conducive to her to experiment. Correct. You're not teaching consumers or anyone how to do or try anything new. You know, it's a, I mean, we can go on and on. The dosing is you can, you can clearly see how much you're dosing. Onset time's a little bit quicker for most people, of course, different for, for everyone, but um, faster than, than, than other form factors. So, yes, I think, I think the beverage form factor did play a large part and role in her being you know, willing and open to, to, to try it. What I find is even more intriguing, maybe even more than the form factor, <clears throat> although I do, think, I do think beverages, cannabis-infused beverages, will be the, the bridge to the masses. I, I, think, I think when people are finally ready to come around and when it's readily available, where people can purchase it in the same in the same way that they not only the same way but the same place that they could purchase their PBR. It's one of the the form factors that will really open it up for everybody. You know, and that's not only because, as you just said, people understand beverages better. Drinking beverages has been, you know, something that we dealt with from day one, whether we were making beverages for ourselves or or the gods. Beverages have always been a part of what we do, but I think. Just coming back to what you said earlier, it's really the trust factor. Many firms and brands have come out with cannabis-infused beverages, but what PBR has is the history behind it and the trust factor. And I think that's really important and probably my gut tells me would move kind of curious faster to the space than they would have come if it was just smoking uh, flour. When we first launched, I think there was, there was a lot of attention right? Because first national brand to enter the space and do it, you know, there are, I'm sure everyone's well aware, there are other brands out there who are doing it either under a different name or sort of experimenting with different partnership opportunities. But, you know, perhaps Blue Ribbon being the first to really, you know, uh, however you want to look at it, not be afraid to be brave enough and to really kind of come to the space uh, and wave the flag. And say, you know, when it comes to not only on a form factor level, really trying to destigmatize, right, and normalize the industry, you know, that's something I think that we we, we take very seriously and something that we're frankly proud of. And I think obviously there are uh, there's a lot that kind of went into that in terms of you know the why we decided to to, to get into the space. But you know, for the time being, you know, it's something that we are we are we are continuing to to really champion and support. Um, because it's something, again, as at the brand level that we, that we believe in. You just spoke about PBR coming into the space and being proud that PBR has entered the space, whereas many others or few others actually have entered the space, but they've done it under a different name. I too am proud of PBR. I never thought, or Paps Labs, I never thought I'd say I'm proud of a beer brand. I certainly have respect for the brand because it came into the space. It saw the connection with cannabis consumers, kept its brand power in the game where a lot of others either created new brands to come into the game to really hedge their bets if things go, go wrong. And, you know, that said, why do you think the other beer brands haven't entered the space yet? I mean, yeah, it's a good question. And I think there's a number of different answers as to why, um, you know, there's the sort of uh, component of regulation, right? I think that there may be some other brands that are waiting to allow other brands in the space now to kind of pave the way, either make mistakes and learn to expand to other states and or to just realize when there's a big enough opportunity to warrant their, you know, investment and time and effort into, you know, optimizing and building a team to be able to, you know, uh, really sell, distribute and market cannabis beverages, right? 
Number two, I think that, um, you know, this is a very dynamic market. I think that time moves at a very different speed in cannabis. And I think that, you know, if, if you're another beer brand, you're probably waiting to kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of see why they may be doing it. They want to just see what really happens, what's going to happen to the category. You know, beverages, I think, as you look at them, if you kind of take a macro level look down, they still represent a very, very small set of the overall industry, right? I think it's like 1%. Two yeah. yeah, 1% or 2 2% of total industry, right? However, you know, when you look at year over year, you're seeing 40 to 50% increases, depending on what you're looking at sales of dollars. Um, and you're seeing overall year over year growth. And I think that, you know, Historically, also, you know, when we first entered the, uh, if you choose to call it CIB, cannabis infused beverage or infused beverage space, um, there is a lot of, I think, intrinsic um, challenges that you're faced with, even something as simple as distribution, right? Um, distribution is challenging in that, you know, when we first started a distributor, they had never handled beverages before, you know, it's like, well, we're shipping stuff by the pallet and, you know, basically we're going to need to get bigger trucks or at the retail level, right? Um, typically dispensaries don't have a lot of floor space. Um, I'm sure that's something you've heard from other, you know, beverage speakers that you've had uh, mm -hmm. on your panel as well. It can't take anything, you know, in the outbuilt world, you take, you know, produce at your facility, take across state lines, boom, bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. You know, um, you know, as, as we all know, can carry products, you know, cannabis products across state lines and something for beverages where there's sort of large barriers to entry, namely being a production facility. Um, you know, finding a production facility to produce infused beverages is a lot more challenging um, than co-packing or, you know, many other many other categories, as I'm sure you can imagine. You know, you're dealing yeah. with waters, emulsions, infusions, canners, leave, you know, steam tunnels, you know, all these different things. Um, and, you know. Even just, just obtaining certain things like cans, you know, for a while, 12 ounce slims were at a global shortage, you know, for our specific can. So I think, you know, until the market matures and the industry probably perhaps matures a little bit, the bigger brands are probably going to wait and see what the little brands do, um, see what the market and how it behaves over the next coming months and years. And then, you know, perhaps see what other brands are doing until they kind of take the plunge, right? It makes sense. Who's the average Paps cannabis beverage consumer. I'm actually going to flip your question <laughs> and I'm going to okay. start with the Paps Blue Ribbon beer consumer. And there's a reason why I'm doing this. Because the brand's been around for so long, it's really had some stickiness with a lot of different audiences. But let's talk about more recently, right? For perhaps what most people uh, know PBR for. It's really a brand like we talked about for everyone. Everyone wants to be a brand of the people. I think PBR has successfully done that better than any other brand, right? Um, if we talk about more of its recent audience, this audience is, look, we did a, we did a study, um, segmentation study, I think it was, it was just a few years back. And I think um, the overwhelming majority, 70 to 80% of them identified as, you know, audience being creative, expressive, you know, believing that it's important to try new things. They, you know, enjoy taking risks, um, like a life of novelty, aren't afraid to do, you know, or be seen as unconventional or perhaps prefer to travel to kind of like the beaten path, right? I think that, um, you know, some of this is even reflected in the historical whole PBR product line as well. You know, PBR has released, you know, four different kinds of beers, actually. Most people know them for just the original. At one point we were launched a non-oak, the original, 
uh, a low-cal, low-carb, and a high ABV. They also launched, as I mentioned, spirits. We also launched uh, hard coffee. Yeah, alcoholic coffee. Test marketed that in five markets back in, I think, 2018, 2019. Couldn't keep the damn thing on the shelves. It was flying, you know. And so I say all that to say is, you know, the audience is, there's there's almost different audience segments for this brand. We're talking about more of the recent audience um, that is kind of, you know, uh, expressive and, 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 and creative, right? And the kind of bedrock insight is that this audience is open to trying a lot of new things. And if you think about all the things that I've just been talking about for Papua Ribbon on the beer side, a lot of those things you could probably tie when you talk about the cannabis community or cannabis culture, if you will. Art, music, creativity, unconventional, life of novelty, travel the beaten path, at least historical, right? I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we saw a lot of shared voice and similarities um, between PBR beer drinkers and the cannabis culture, right? And at the end of the day, what we found PBR, people who drink PBR like to consume cannabis. One of the main sort of general insights which really kind of led and opened up a conversation to this product development and innovation as a whole. This is even idea, right? At the same time, and I think that all of those things still show through for the cannabis consumer as well, the Paps Labs cannabis consumer. I think there's a lot of shared sensibilities between these two. And that's why I sort of changed the direction and the directionality of that question is because, you know, because we understood the beer consumer so well, that really opened up and allowed us an entry point of conversation in talking about making a cannabis-induced beverage under the Paps Blue Ribbon line. On the other hand, what we talked about was PBR being a brand that's been around for a very long time that has, you know, unquestionable recognition. And I think that, you know, when I brought the example of, you know, my own family consuming the beverage for the first time, we also knew that um, there were going to be a lot of people who were going to try this, as I mentioned, for the first time. And so I think that, you know, the, the Paps Labs consumer, I think, maybe differs, right? Because you have people who are Paps fans, longtime fans, but this is something new for them. They know PBR through the beer, through the how many decades that they've grew up with the brand or experienced the brand, but this is their opportunity to try, you know, some of them for the first time, a cannabis product under the PBR sort of label. You know, that that really, those those sort of insight and that levels, those, those years and years of research really kind of, you know, uh, allowed for us to have this conversation and really kind of paved the way to where we are today. And, and David, I'll also just say, you know, even anecdotally, right, we've gotten a number of feedback, but <clears throat> I think this is one sort of uh, innovation within a new space, or at least the launch of our infused products under the PBR name. It's like PBR made a we drink. Well, yeah, that totally makes sense. You talk to butt tenders across the entire state and like, yeah, that's, that's cool. That makes sense. And as you had mentioned, you know, if other uh, major brewers were to set foot in the space, I'm not really sure it would really have the same impact or if it would be as accepted or embraced into the industry or community as we were. Right. So, and, and I mentioned, you know, it's the, the industries are completely different, but I think the sort of through line, the purpose of the brand hasn't changed. Right. The only thing that we've changed is the sort of vehicle and, and, and the industry, you know, it still exists to inspire creative experimentation and to, to really, you know, uh, um, champion, 
you know, the next generation. Mark, as, as we start to wind things out here, is there anything else you'd like people to know about you, your personal mission, your message, any final thoughts before we close out the show? I mean, I just want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen. You know, I think that this is hopefully a historical moment for the industry. Um, please feel free to reach out. You know, like I said, we're coming, what we feel is with the right attitude to the industry, um, with an open heart and open mind, with the right brand, quality of product and quality of brand. And, um, you know, for everyone out there looking to get in the cannabis industry and or advancing whatever it is their initiatives are, you know, let's keep fighting and let's, uh, let's all move this forward together. Bravo. Lots of insight and experience. Thank you, Mark. You can also find more about Mark on LinkedIn and Paps Labs at their website, papslabs.com. You can find me on Instagram at Branding Bud. You can also find my website and podcast at brandingbud.com. And you can always contact me directly at david at brandingbud.com. Please check out my book, Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding, available on Amazon. Again, a big thank you to Mark and you, the listening audience. Thank you very much and have a great night.